This is Slashers, a podcast about movies and more for those who love horror. My name Woo. is Jake, and with me, as always, the my fucking stable workhorse, Old Faithful over here, my butt geyser himself, tooting up a, a, a steamy funnel of stuff into the air, Yellowstone and brown holes. Oh, yeah. Chad. <laughs> Chad, how's it going, bud? Good. Not bad. I've been really excited for this. After our last one, I've been like itching to listen to this because this one I actually know very little about. A lot of weird characters. Oh, yeah. This is where basically they realize that Marvel Zombies is a great platform for what I, I call it, I think, the Frank Miller effect in the last one where it's like you take a young up and comer, you give him some stuff that is relatively throwaway. And if he can make those characters compelling, interesting and evoke something from the audience, that's what you want to be doing. Yeah. Fred Van Lente fucking nails it he really changes the game when it comes to marvel zombies and i mean really he plays with these characters longer than millar or kirkman ever did yeah it's like an absolute resurrection for a lot of these characters that's funny did you plan that i thought about it all week <laughs> resurrection <laughs> resurrection <laughs> resurrection oh erection no erection. resurrection no there was a few erection thoughts in there bing 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 <laughs> you mean when uh, jan van dyne with no lips is sitting there going ah, <laughs> 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 oh yeah yeah, she lips gonna, are just for the slowing down. Gonna have that hunger disease, <laughs> hunger for that car walk. That's obscene. Why am I the way I am? <laughs> we can never do this for longer than ten minutes before that I have sexual to say or yeah joke pops in. We're yeah pops <laughs> like a cherry. We're old married men. We have to be vulgar. I have <laughs> we to be hide so- from our wives in a garage. Garage studio. And speaking to penis-shaped mics. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, it's so girthy. <laughs> Sometimes it makes me miss my old uh, USB mic, though, because that thing was thick. Yeah. That looked like a horse cack. <laughs> wow. That was just a... I really hope that nobody isolates the audio for this and takes it to someone <laughs> that I know and respect, like my grandpa. My great fear uh, is that my mom will like someday be like, oh, hey, why don't you listen to this? And then I will give him a heart attack yeah, by talking kills about him. fist fucking. <laughs> Right? He's like, what's raw dog mean? Or and then it's he like Googles it. He's like, ah! It's worse. You then find out he's a bigger freak than you. That would make me so happy. <laughs> you know? The absurdity he's of like, it He's like, I've been to two donkey shows. If it was only two, I'd kind of be... <laughs> but I was in one. the second one. Oh, no. No, 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 Grandpappy. Please. Wilbur. Oh, no. Wilbur. <laughs> So we've kind of talked about it. God, I don't know how long ago when we did the weekly warm up for Marvel Zombies in terms of superheroes that we know we love. How weird did you ever get when you were reading Marvel comics? Did you ever get into stuff like Werewolf by Night, you know, Moon Knight? Moon Knight, yes. Not even that much from the comics, though. Just a lot of like the ca- uh, cartoons, though, actually. From like the 90s and 2000s. They did a fair job of doing like other X-Men and stuff like that. Spider-Man had some good crossovers. But really, truth be told, it's very narrow focused by modern standards. Yes. Yeah. I remember having the old Fantastic Four show, the Iron Man show. Do you remember the Iron Man show where he had a mullet and the music had his hammer ting ting in it? Yeah. I actually really liked that. So at the end of Endgame. Yes. The post credits is just the sound of the anvil. And I was like, that took me back to being a kid in the 90s being like, this is a great character. I loved my Iron Man co- uh, action figures. You almost said cock. It's okay. <laughs> I was going to say comics, <laughs> but then whatever. I'll leave that flub in too. 
<laughs> but I remember very vividly going to like KB Toys and having that show got canceled like that. I know, and I enjoyed it. Fantastic Four canceled like that. Yep. And so I fucking pilfered their yeah. action figure section. It was great. It's just like Batman with all of his fucking Arctic Batman and stealth Batman. Whatever. You had 17 fucking Iron Men. Yes. And so as a kid, I really enjoyed that. I, you know, truth be told, I was kind of a bad boy when it came to action figures. I made <laughs> Iron Man the villain because I had so many of them. It was almost like an Ultron thing. Doesn't Iron Man become a villain in one of the alternate universes, though? He does. Okay. He is taken over by Doctor Doom. Yes. Okay. And there, are, there's a bunch of iterations of. I mean, in Civil War, he's perceived to be the villain. Though, I mean, Correct. from the human perspective, of course, that's what you want, right? Right. Basically, if you know your actual comics, it's a little bit different than the whole Sokovia event in the Marvel context. Civil War starts because there's a tragedy where the new warriors, who is a team, is very fascinating. They actually have a reality TV show and they admittedly go into a situation that they're outmatched and it results in the death of hundreds of people, including a bunch of kids at a school. And so that pushes for the Superhero Registration Act. And Tony Stark is like, hey, I was an alcoholic and I was operating a machine that is a, you know, a weapon of mass destruction. Nobody regulated me. We need regulation. We need certification. We need to protect these people. And Captain America is like, fuck that. You're not going to have my identity, even though his identity has been public for 70 years. Right. The whole point of it was you know, liberty. And so I think that Millard did a really good job of that juxtaposition. But yeah, that's what I mean. Like, what side do you fall on? I fall on the Iron Man side, but of course I'm going to root for Captain America because he's my favorite. So I really love Civil War because it's so engaging in that regard. As a human without superpowers, shocker, <laughs> I would want people to be registered. I want to be able to do that. But at the same point, he's just as villainous as all of the bad guys who wanted to register mutants for decades. Right. And I fall more on Captain America because I have no trust for government. <laughs> I have no trust for government, but at the same point, it, it kind of... They touched on it very well in Civil War where they're like, we're going to tell you where you can go and where you can't, and we're going to, you know, you can save people or you can't based on what we say. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of weird because money corrupts sort of a thing, and I don't think our government... I'm not one of those crazy conspiracy theories about government, but at the same time, I'm like, money's wasted everywhere. It's just a lot of weird things happen still where you're like, oh... I don't believe in that. And I don't know. It works on that microcosm scale. You have such fewer characters and they're all government sanctioned. Yes. Which that comes out of the ultimates in the Avengers. They're just independent contractors. They just do what they want right. versus they're a government sanctioned body in the ultimates. And so it, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think that the closest parable you get to in civil war is gun control. Right. You have people who say that, oh yeah, you know, you don't need the regulations. It's that and you have people who are like, I, I want to be feel protected. And I think there's compelling arguments on both sides. So I, that's one of the things that's always great. Now, in terms of zombies, I fall on the side of not being eaten. Yes, but that you could also live forever. Living forever sounds really tiring. Yeah. I mean, it's also how well your body holds up. <laughs> yeah. If I bit into the power cosmic and I was alive forever. There you go. You know, yeah. And, if, you know, that's one thing that's very interesting to me when they talk about how the zombies are never get tired in... Marvel Zombies 2 and right. Dead Days because the idea being like how does the brain work at that point as far as keeping a memory because I feel like if you were conscious 24 hours a day for 40 years that your memory would just start to fail you and you'd almost fall into a sense of madness it's one thing I kind of wish they would have played on is like the effect that rotting has on the brain kind of like the Hawkeye yeah 
how he goes kind of bananas. Right. But it's they kind of present it that he goes cuckoo bananas because he's just isolated. Yes. Not just because he's old. Right. Yeah. Correct. So shall we get into it for the week? We shall. All right, dude. So just as a brief precursor, we will be getting into Marvel Zombies 3 from 2008. We will be getting into Marvel Zombies 4 from 2009. Marvel Zombies Return from 2009. Then we scroll and we hit Marvel Zombies Evil Evolution. Yeah. Then we get to Marvel Zombies 5 in 2010. Then we get to Marvel Zombies Supreme in 2010. Then we get to Marvel Zombies. Blah, blah, blah. Which is your favorite? <laughs> Hold on. Marvel Zombies Destroy in 2011. Uh, Marvel Zombies Halloween 2012. Marvel Zombies 2015. Marvel Zombies versus Age of Ultron. <laughs> Zombie Christmas Carol. Zombies Assemble. Zombies Assemble 2. Marvel Zombie 2018. Marvel Zombies Respawn. It's a new thing that's not out yet. Night of the Living Deadpool. And then I do want to briefly touch on Deceased, which I took some notes on. Okay. Uh, but which is your favorite? Because you bored me. The first <laughs> two issues of Marvel Zombies Destroy, I don't think it ends as well as I would have liked, but I do think that is a very strong premise that I wish that uh, Marfino wouldn't have fallen himself ill and would have been able to finish. While I do love Peter David, we'll get into it. It's uh, kind of frustrating he wasn't able to finish. Oh, all right. It's always frustrating when you can't finish. Blue bolt. Oh, <laughs> did you want to talk about Marvel Zombies versus Army of Darkness? We kind of touched on it the first one, so I guess that's not really necessary. Yeah, it's not really necessary, but I do love some of the artwork, so it's kind of fun just to check out if you're interested in any of uh, those crossovers. And that one's like strict comedy. Yes. I mean, it comes right after the story arc where Ash dies and is literally at the pearly gates of heaven, and it's very sarcastic. So. Right, which we kind of started talking about doing this version of the podcast because I randomly bought some of the army uh, Marvel army of darkness comic books and we just started the text and we're like oh yeah well we can cover that <laughs> yeah right and then it spun off into a two episode our <laughs> yes. first two episodes and I talked about it very candidly on the last episode if you remember I was not the hugest fan of this series when it came out and right. it was only after going back and reading the ultimate fantastic or the cues into it where I was like oh damn I love this yes and it's hard to keep stuff awesome when you do it this many times. Yeah, but they do a great job of just going completely to the left. Yes. And that's where we pick up Marvel Zombies 3. This is written by Fred Van Lente. It takes place before Secret Invasion, which if you know your Marvel lore, that's obviously where the scrolls had sleeper agents all throughout the MCU, or I guess not the MCU, the 616 universe and blah, 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 chaos ensues. Which is very interesting, I thought. And I wish that the movie, what is it, Captain Marvel? Yeah, it kind of ruined it. Yeah. I was like, damn, that sucks. Make him like a good guy. Ugh. <laughs> I think there's Kalert, the super scroll, who's an awesome villain for the Fantastic Four, who is a scroll that can't shapeshift, but has the powers of all of the Fantastic Four. And he's a super compelling right. character when they get in the cosmic stuff because he's such a failure. He is this proud, like, samurai warrior. And he's fucked up his entire life with these fucking idiot scientists. <laughs> so he's this really torn and flawed character who has some awesome, awesome, awesome moments. So yeah, I definitely agree. He's, I think he's actually in one of these Marvel Zombies comics, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, there is artwork of him fighting when the villains fight the cosmic heroes. See, there you go. Boom. I knew that. I was just testing you to make sure you knew that. Yeah. <laughs> So Fred Van Lente started writing for Marvel after his super noir comic books, uh, which featured enforcers that was called The Silencer. 
So he was then offered by Marvel to make a pitch for a new female Scorpion character. He did so, and he immediately started doing Spider-Man comics. And even in doing the Spider-Man comics, he reintroduced characters such as the Spot. And he he definitely has a flair for kind of the more obscure okay. elements. And so in this. He was talking about picking up where Kirkman and Phillips left off. Quote, I love horror comics, and it seemed like an excellent opportunity to do a balls-to-the-walls horror comic. He went on, and what's great about Marvel Zombies is you get the opportunity to, frankly, be ridiculously violent in Marvel comics, which is, generally speaking, not where we're allowed to do unless it's the Max books. So it's just fun to have heads blown off, people being eaten, and guts spilling out everywhere. This, to me, equals fun. Oh, for sure. This is also... I feel like a little bit more realistic if you really had superheroes as well with the we can just kill people. <laughs> yeah, like the boys. Exactly. Yeah. Which is great series. So watch it. Editor Bill Roseman said, when you're handed the keys to the franchise, your number one goal is not to crash it into a tree. <laughs> your second goal is to top what's come before it. And for me, this beats the shit out of Marvel Zombies 2. It's at least on par with Marvel Zombies 1. But this is obviously very tailor-made to my personal preferences. Okay. So we'll get is into that. Is this the man thing one? Yeah, it gets into it, yeah. Okay. So it's described as, quote, a nonstop in-continuity gore fest. Why? Because the zombies come to our planet, our dimension. I don't know if you know, but we're in 616. Anyway, <laughs> the cover of the first issue is Machine Man with his arm as a chainsaw and Jocasta, clearly a reference to Army of Darkness. Love it. Yes. It starts off Siege, Woundar, Conquistador, and Jennifer Kale. They're in Man-Thing's swamp, which is the nexus of all things. It's this mystic area where you have these just weird cosmic occurrences that are just linked to this Floridian swamp. Okay. And so a lot of people want to compare Swamp Thing and Man-Thing. People will do that with Red Tornado and Vision. They'll do that with Doom Patrol and X-Men. For sure. You think about how long it takes for these comics to be made. It's very likely, it's exceedingly likely that it was more coincidental than anything. The yes. idea that like the Marvel would go, oh, you have a swamp character? We need to make a swamp character. Like That doesn't strike me as something that seems we have to rip off your muck monster. So I well, really you had like so many people, even writers and artists that swap back and forth as well. I mean, everybody wants to make their own guy, but I think they test this stuff and they all come across like similar things. And it's all work for hire and everything. Exactly. And it's kind of like being in a band. You keep a bunch of great ideas. You go to the new project and you show off your new ideas. So Right. Anyway, I love Man-Thing. I even love the terrible horror movie. It's a, a true passion of mine that we do that movie on this show. I just hope that more than five people have seen that movie so they'll listen to the episode I of the show. I have not. It is fucking terrible. I know. It is so <laughs> fucking bad. Never seen it and I know it I is. I love it for that. <laughs> so they're all in the swamp. And zombie Deadpool bites Woundar, who is just a weird character and makes a joke about an October 73 vintage in terms of his blood being like wine. <laughs> Fun fact, that's when that character actually debuted in Marvel awesome. Comics. Awesome. Very yeah. cool. Woundar blasts him into the fan boat's propeller and liquefies everything but his head, which comes into play later. Now, Siege, his robot mind makes itself terminate because his body is dead. So he's like a cyborg. And basically, it's like going to kill Jennifer Kale, and then it kills itself because it's like, oh, well, there's something wrong with the body. We have to destroy ourselves, <laughs> which I just think is such a like a cool. You always hear about self-destruct sequences in sci-fi, but this is one. that's like, oh, that's such a practical application. I love right. it. Man thing kills a wandering zombie, which is just great. And then we see Morbius studying blood pathogens at armor 
Armors debuted in this, which is the alternate reality monitoring and operational response agency, which should be Amora, but it's yes. armor. Now, this is where you have the superhero registration in full effect. Captain America loses Civil War. Spoilers. Sorry about it. He ends up <laughs> dying. So the registration is in full effect. You hear it called the initiative. So everybody is sanctioned. They're all agents of some kind of shield agency. In this case, it's armor. So they have much more resources and it's very linear. Now, Van Lenti said, I like Morbius because although he's a vampire and technically a supernatural creature, he originally gained his curse through science. Plus, he's a biochemist, which is what my dad was. So I have a certain degree to affinity for him there as well. I like him because he's an empirical scientist. So it's fun to throw him into these insane supernatural situations with voodoo, witchcraft, and all that other stuff. That's because even though he's got fangs, he's still kind of straightforward 21st century kind of guy. Yeah, that's very cool. That is such a great... Uh, he's truly distilled the truth of that character. Yes. Because that character was created in d direct contradiction to the Comics Code Authority, where you weren't supposed to have vampires. Right. And they're like, well, he's not a vampire. There's no <laughs> mystic horror here. He's a scientific abomination. Yes. Love it. I can't wait for Jared Leto to ruin him. Is he playing him? Yeah. It's going to be a standalone Sony movie, so... Wow. Uh-huh. Enter Machine Man, who enters the secret bunker. You're only able to reach it through teleportation, which I love. That sounds super cool. It reminds right. me of the negative zone prisons that they put in Civil War. Can you break down Machine Man for me in like a minute? Because I actually knew nothing about him. And then doing some of this research, I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. This guy's pretty crazy. Edward Scissorhands yeah. meets Inspector Gadget. Okay. The confliction of wanting a sense of humanity, resenting humanity for his isolation, and his power set is very similar to that of Inspector Gadget. Okay. Because he can just manifest a lot of different things that I was like, oh, okay. We're kind of weird. Like guns and stuff? Yeah. And he has like the extending limbs and like different vision abilities and whatnot. But then as you get into Next Wave Agents of Hate, it ran from 2006 to 2010. There's a great joke in there about drop bears. But he is a very alcoholic resentful character who gets kind of like the really compelling characteristics of like your Tony Stark, but he also gets to be very fourth. He, he teeters on the fourth wall breaking without becoming full blown Deadpool. Okay. So I'm a very big fan of that character, even in his original iterations before he went that crazy, he was still conflicted and he had that kind of Frankensteinian quest for identity. I won't say humanity, but I'll say identity. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. So Darkhawk teleports machine man and Jocasta who is also Fun fact, Machine Man's ex-girlfriend who died. Kind of <laughs> sad. They teleport them. And then Morbius, you find out, is actually a zombie. And he's been keeping Morbius alive in his chambers at the center and faking it so that he can keep him alive for information so he can infiltrate the entire dimension for the other zombies. Hmm. Quite the cliffhanger. Now, issue two, Darkhawk drops him off at a desolate Central Park. Jocasta challenged Machine Man about changing and calls his toupee out and he calls her a hobot for not wearing clothes. <laughs> not a robot, but a hobot. Dude, I'd tap it. Yeah, it's smooth like a lady. Oh, yeah. Kind of looks like the character from Species, but Chrome. Yes. And yeah, very much so. So this is where Falcon, Angel and Vulture attack, which I kind of really love. They kill them because Jocasta's hang hanging by the vulture's intestines at one point. It's pretty great. But I just love the idea that like the birds of prey would hunt together. That's rad. Diablo and Scorpion, who are two pretty terrible characters, they bring cat food to the kingpin. You find out that they're bringing food for his human wife. 
he is a zombie, but he keeps his beautiful, pristine wife separate and apart, which is kind of very emblematic of the way he treats her in the regular continuity. Right. Like fully protecting her and having, you know, restraining from anything happening to her kind of thing? Correct. Okay. And so I I didn't mention this. Jennifer Kale lives in the beginning. She's the only one who lives of that initial team when the zombies come. That becomes into play later because she's so ashamed of how poorly she handled that situation. Now you have Machine Manager Costa going to the other dimension. So at this point, we're not confronting the zombies that are here. We're going there on the offensive kind. Okay, gotcha. Just making sure we're clear. So then the zombie and humans arrive. You got Werewolf by Night. You have Stilt Man. That's right, Stilt Man. It's legit. I have no, okay. Yeah. You find out that they're all eating these people. You know, it's like a big soiree. And all the people were the Jackal's clones which is a nice tie-in to the Clone Saga from the 90s, which is very reviled and hated. But there's actually like some fun ideas there that if they would have actually pulled the trigger on, I think would be looked at today as way ahead of their time. Okay. But neither here nor there. So Machine Man sees that the clones are treated like garbage robots from his time. <laughs> so he takes action, kisses Jocasta, and leaves, and it ends with him guns blazing, just mowing down zombies, <laughs> which is just a beautiful sight to behold. Now, issue three has an Evil Dead poster kind of variant. It's Jocasta coming out of the grave. It's awesome. Morbius plans to infect the superheroes through the initiative program. He wants to say he's inoculating them, but actually just give them the virus. Okay. This is where you get the idea that the hunger virus has a sentience to it. It's not just consummation. It's continuation. Right. Spread, spread. Okay. Exactly. The Wasp taunts Jocasta about being her robot copy, which is very interesting. And they chose a Wasp costume that's other than the one from Zombies 1 and 2 because she's just a hallucination because literally Jocasta was made by Hank Pym to be Jan Van Dyne. She ends up marrying Ultron unwillingly. It's a very Bride of Frankenstein kind of thing. A very involved backstory. If you know it, you can enjoy it. If you don't know it, it's not distracting enough to where you're like, oh, fucking kill me. This is so (laughs) distracting. There's a killer splash page where a machine man is killing zombies with a flamethrower, mm-hmm. and then he kills Stil- Stilt Man, so definitely check that out. So Doctor Strange shows a vision of armor. Machine Man kills Medusa and Ghost Rider, and then Machine Man ends up crashing and eating shit pretty hard, and he can't contact Jocasta because a Scarlet Witch has the vision hardwired into a computer. So she is manipulating the vision because they were once married and had two children. Super dark storyline that I really love. That's how you get Speed and Wiccan, which is awesome. They're part of the Young Avengers. And so she's keeping him like a robot zombie against his will. Uh, It's pretty dark. (laughs) And then at Armor, an agent goes to check on Morbius because he's like, hey, the math doesn't really work on this. Sees the scene of zombie Morbius with regular Morbius, gets bitten. First thing she does, turns around and bites somebody else. And you know that whole facility is fucked. Right. And they're trapped. See, you looked at it as it's an impenetrable thing, but you also can't get out unless you're teleporting as well. And it ends with Jocasta going through the portal when Machine Man being in a heap really badly damaged on the other side. Hmm. The next one, Marvel Zombies 4, has the cover of Shaun of the Dead with British characters. Captain Britain. It's pretty (laughs) great. Now, the necrosis allows Black Bolt to speak. Black Bolt is the king of the Inhumans. Right. His voice could decimate. 
Yeah, decimate an entire mountain range. A whisper, yeah. So there's a lot of really cool stuff with him. He's actually a very compelling character when done effectively, but the sad thing is he's not very often done effectively. Exactly. It's also the overpowered sort of a thing. Oh, yeah. Because he has powers beyond even his voice, right? It, well, he's Super also hyper-intelligent. Exactly. Yeah, I, yeah. And yeah, in the Illuminati, I think he has a very strong presence there, and I like it a lot. I like when he fights the Hulk and Planet Hulk. It's some good stuff. Right. But sadly, it's just... You know, it's he's the like team the, he's with. The it's, big gun that you could only pull out if you have someone that can take a big shot. He doesn't work as a terrestrial character. He has to be cosmic. Right. It's just like Silver Surfer. It doesn't really work well here because it's like, okay, what are you going to stop a fucking mugger with your god power? That's stupid. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, that's the thing that's great about comic books to me is the art and the writing can be compelling as such to where any threat is worthy. Right. A purse snatcher is worthy of Spider-Man. Yes. If done well. Yes. So that's one thing that we get into in Marvel Zombies. They do a very good job of making the threats escalate where they need to. But then some of the other iterations, when you get into Marvel Zombies 5, which is full of like one-off, more like an anthology, they're less intimidating, but it fits the narrative better. Yeah. And you also get the chance for those heroes to rise way above, like stopping a purse snatcher to being, I'm stopping a global event with other characters sort of thing. Like the growth is there. Exactly. So Machine Man goes up against Quicksilver and Speed Demon. He uses Lockjaw, who is Black Bolt's teleporting dog. dog, to get back to our dimension. And he arrives doing a parody of the They Live bubblegum, you know, <laughs> yeah, which is awesome. He then kills Lockjaw with a grenade that he covered in a wad of brains like, here, boy, go get it, boy. <laughs> Zombius says that he's a vampire. Morbius kills the other one. And Machine Man and Jocasta kiss. Kingpin is so distraught by this whole situation, he eats his wife. He gives wow. into hunger and devours her whole. It's disgusting. And he's wretched. And he's like, he's hunched over and looks very just mongoloid. It's it's delightful. <laughs> and then the zombies use transporters. There's one zombie in Deadpool to get away. Okay. I'll tell you who they are. You just know that there's escapees and that's it. And then Morbius is furious that he has been held hostage by these fucking zombies <laughs> and he reforms the Midnight Suns to go after them and that's the cliffhanger you get going into Marvel Zombies 4. Okay. Which, unlike the other iterations, they knew they were going to be getting another one so it flows very naturally. Right. Can you break down Midnight Suns? Midnight Suns, well, there's different iterations. Okay. But it's basically your Dark Avengers. Like in the 90s, you had characters like Ghost Rider, Morbius, Blade, they're all on it. In this iteration, it ends up being Werewolf by Night, Morbius, Jennifer Kale, Damien Hellstrom. I mean, it's a pretty badass combination. Spoiler alert, Man-Thing becomes the big heavy, which obviously, right. I sent you that panel. It blows my mind. I love it so much. Yeah. Basically, I could entirely skip this next Marvel Zombies just for that one panel. Yes. Because to me, it means that much. And it happens so organically. It's not as though he had this one visual in mind and reverse engineered it, it flows with the story perfectly. I agree. Perfect. So we start off in number four. This one takes place at the start of Dark Reign. Now, Dark Reign is the continuation after the initiative where Norman Osborn, who has risen to power after destroying the Skrull Queen during Secret Invasion, he is starting to Donald Trumpet <laughs> where he's putting bad Be a people. Great president. I hate you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> he puts bad people in charge 
and he creates things like the Dark Avengers, where he's masquerading villains such as Bullseye in place of heroes such as Hawkeye. Fun oh, fact, okay. Hawkeye used to be an Iron Man villain. <laughs> but you get my point. So this is a very nefarious and cynical time in the Marvel Universe before you hit the heroic age. So you'll see the tone definitely fits while we're here in our dimension. Okay. So Van Lenti said what happened was Marvel Zombies 3 sold out either the day it was released or shortly afterwards. And once that happened, we were immediately asked to start planning the next series. That's crazy. I mean, you're talking a matter of days, yeah. which is awesome. And he said, quote, if I start doing Marvel Zombies 9, please kill me. <laughs> he said, but as long as we keep coming up with ideas that are exciting and interesting, I'll keep doing them for the Midnight Suns and Marvel Zombies proper, which I, I really love. He's plugging the Midnight Suns because he wants to do that book. And I think that you know, it's a shame that people don't read comics because yes. it's so much more compelling than so many things that are on Netflix or whatever. Um, and the great thing about comics blows my mind. Dude, there's no fucking budget. You can do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. You can do anything on any page. And still people are like, ah, eh. you know, like I'd rather watch some shitty show that shot on green screen with somebody's fucking Galaxy <laughs> S9 than read a comic. People are disgusting creatures. <laughs> And then yeah. he talks he talks about how he was very deliberate in his formation of this iteration of the Midnight Suns and making sure that they just hit the ground running. We don't care about you meeting for the first time. Right. We don't have time for it. Let's go. And I love that because so often you'll waste your entire first issue of a new thing by and we're all friends because da, da, da. <laughs> the unlikely heroes come together. What are we going to call this? The new Avengers. Right. <laughs> right. So he talks about Morbius actually inventing a werewolf pheromone to douse them all in so that werewolf by night doesn't kill them all. Huh. Then he talks about how much he loved writing Damien Hellstrom. He said he's, quote, oodles of fun to be around and says that he sarcastically uh, because he laughs and sends chills up your spine. And basically, he says that if Hellstrom is happy, it's kind of you want to look around to see what's on fire and what kind of degradation is going on. <laughs> okay. Hellstrom, you might know as the son of Satan. Yes. So there you go. He's actually getting a series on Hulu, which could be amazing really will it likely be amazing no no will the new ghostwriter likely be amazing probably not i didn't even know there was a new ghostwriter coming it's out. the robbie reyes one too which i really really like okay which is not the spirit of vengeance so right. it's the one that drives the challenger okay yeah i really really like that character and it's down. so cool to have a west coast character <laughs> i mean i've i'm a fucking sucker for it like i love west coast avengers and all that shit Go ahead and put the Griffith Observatory in the background, bitch. I love it. Yeah. Fuck your Empire State <laughs> Building. Get the fuck away from me. So in issue one, it starts with Morbius recording a video will for his ex-wife, Marlene. Super dark. Basically, he's talking about how he knows that he could die. And it cuts to this yacht. And these men fish are taking over the, sh uh, the ship. There's this awesome splash page. Men fish are basically like kind of like merman species. And they're just gross amphibious people that are also zombies. Oh, it's all right. awesome. And Werewolf by Night is then getting introduced. And it's awesome. Just gore. He rips people's heads off. Then you have Jennifer Kale of the Witches. Damon Hellstrom comes in. He's one that concerns Morbius because he seems to be, quote, enjoying it. And he comes <laughs> in. Ralph Macchio, his editor, urged him to read Warren Ellis's series, Hellstorm, and informed him that his interpretation it was, quote, totally redid this book. Hmm. So it tells you that it's very different. It, it modernized the character a lot. 
it kind of gives it that Hamlet 2000 vibe, but not in a shitty Ethan Hawke way. <laughs> then Morbius enters the bunch and he's awesome. He's shooting these like dark guns and trying and infecting all of these zombies and they start oxidizing due to bacteria and they blow up. It reminds me of Time Splitter's Future Perfect, which is probably my favorite video game of all time. So never mind. You don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and he also created a vaccine for he and Werewolf by Night. Yes. So that if they ingest any of the zombie, it doesn't matter because if you're a werewolf and a vampire, you're going to be using your fucking chompers, right? Right. Which I love that little analysis, little thing. And you're like, oh, okay, I can just dismiss it with my brain. You addressed it. We move on. But it's interesting because it's also like no one else has a cure for the bite or anything. You get into it. It's a defective cure. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Sorry. Spoilers. See, there you go. I have the question and it's, yeah. It cuts back to Morbius's video will to his wife. And he tells her basically after all these years, after all this time, just give up because now he has a thirst that's darker than blood. It's for revenge and he will stop at nothing. And he says he finally knows what it feels like to be a monster. And that is that's so sexy. Good. That oh, makes yeah, me kind of randy. I love his series from the 90s. There's a great episode or issue where he ingests blood from a drug addict and has this like fever dream. It's super <laughs> cool. And then from underwater comes Simon Garth who's called the zombie and the zombie head of Deadpool and Deadpool ingratiates himself to me in a great way because he sings moving right along <laughs> which is just a tremendous song and Deadpool has acknowledged he no longer feels hunger and then he says it's possibly because of the loss of 95% of his body mass because he's just ahead but he actually detoxed in the water coming to shore they then get taken captive by a villain called the Black Talon and then the survivors find an old Namor villain called the Piranha who laid eggs in the dying bodies. It's super gross. <laughs> That's awesome. It ends with the Talon trying to sell the zombies to a character called the Hood. The Hood is basically a street thug who gets a magic cloak that's possessed with the powers of Dormammu, who's the villain for Doctor right. Strange. Okay. If at any time I'm going over your head, please let me know. I'll try and fill you in. I'm with you so far. Greg Land did the cover of issue two. Land, of course, did the Ultimate Fantastic Four comics uh, that started the whole thing. Okay. So it's awesome to see the prodigal son return, right? Yes. Uh, they're shooting Jake's video, Will, who's werewolf by night. He's talking to his sister. He's kind of sarcastic and drinky. They've made him a lot more like uh, Wolverine in this. Okay. Which is fine. I mean, you're exploiting a popular character, so of right. course you do. Hellstrom blows up the boat, and he's completely unaffected by the fire because he's the son of Satan. Right. And he kills all the remaining fishmen and all the fucking piranha eggs and stuff. It's just <laughs> awesome. Black Talon is, of course, going to sell the zombies to the hood. And then at the deal, they get ambushed by the Midnight Suns. Now, they're going to bury Morbius alive. But here's the problem. They made Morbius bleed. And he says that they're going to regret it because now <laughs> he needs more blood. So he goes fucking crazy and bites the shit out of this person. And it's awesome because it's just he's the monster now. This is a guy who is classically a scientist turned into a monster. And now he's like, fuck science. I'm not about science right now. I'm about ripping your fucking throat out because you made my nose bleed. It's very, <laughs> the, it's the, the Bruce Lee. Ah, you, you busted my lip, huh? All I could think of was Ben Stiller saying, no one makes me bleed my own blood. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then uh, the hood like taunts his lackey, quote, Z-listers, losing to, quote, wannabe heroes in Halloween masks. <laughs> and Morbius says he, they're not heroes. They're monsters. And then he proceeds to rip the throat out of the villain, the needle. And it's That's dope. awesome. And so uh, during this whole distraction, Deadpool's head 
and zombie escape. And as they're escaping, Deadpool yells, shamble, shamble like the wind, <laughs> which is just great because oh. I love slow zombies. So it's super fun. And then, quote, holy shit, according to my notes, Morbius uses a vaccine. The vaccine mutates. It becomes airborne. It starts growing out of the zombies like these kind of like creature tentacle things. And Dormammu, who's imbued the powers of the hood, right. presents before Jennifer Kale who's the gal who survived that first attack, who's ashamed because she doesn't know how to process it. And he says, here, just say my name and you can have all of my power and we can stop all this. <laughs> but she knows that if she does that, he's going to take everything and then he's going to use that power. And we're done with issue two. Hmm. That's like insane. Better the devil you know than the devil you don't. I mean, right. that's one of the dark things is, you know, I love those juxtapositions where it's like, do you trust someone like Mephisto if it gets you to the end of the road? Like in this situation, Dorm you know Dormammu is bad. Right. But you don't know how bad this virus can get. Exactly. Oh, so it's great. Rock in a hard place. Now, issue three. Oh, yeah. There's a virus for you. Morbius and Werewolf are fighting the hood who has no power because at this point, Dormammu is talking to Jennifer Kale. She rejects him and she has this little capsule that she throws at him. It breaks and it releases the man thing because she took some of the swamp when she came on this mission. And so she brings man thing with her. <laughs> and so I was like, that's so fun. Like it's that's like you're like a little Harry Potter. Diagonal so anywhere thing. where the swamp is, is where he can appear. There's different rules. Oh, it's kind oh, of frustrating. Okay. That's one of the things you get a little loosey goosey. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. So Deadpool and the zombie get out of town and they enter this little Puebla. And it starts raining blood and the blood is the virus and it starts melting people and it's fucking <laughs> awesome. And you literally see a father barricade himself inside with his children, but then it splashes through the roof onto him and he murders his children on screen. Nice. It's dark. And then you have the hood knocks out the Talon who's trying to put up a barrier to protect he and the hood from the Midnight Suns. And then he says, and I quote, Morbius is, quote, monster squad knows what they're doing. <laughs> oh, Take that, Brian, that you tubby you, bitch. I gave you a boner, huh? It did, for sure. Hi, I'm Jake, and I mentioned how I love monster squad every episode. <laughs> I do, and it's perfect. And Everybody can go to hell. Just leave me with my Marvel Unlimited <laughs> subscription and my Blu-ray of monster squad and leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> so, zombie, this is really dark. So, Man thing is trudging along through the rain because as long as he's connected to the ground, he's regenerating. Gotcha. This zombie rips him out of the ground and holds him into this bloody rain and he disintegrates. It's a dark visual. Wow. Jack approaches Kale, who is werewolf by night. He's infected with the hunger. He's going to kill her. At this point, Hood says this situation's going from bad to George A. fucking Romero in less than five <laughs> seconds. And Morbius requests the teleport extraction. And Kale, you find out, gets imbued with the power of Dormammu and wants to take the hunger for him. Oh, shit. So basically, they've given up hope. And then, oh, shit, here's a very bad situation that could be made a really worse situation very quickly. <laughs> Issue four, Jack attacks Morbius and they call he calls him a, quote, poseur for not killing him and says that he's yeah isn't a monster because of it. <laughs> what ends up happening, Morbius realizes that Jack might be infected, but the werewolf form isn't. So they use natural moonlight through magic 
to make him the werewolf and thus circumvent the zombie infection. Okay, so he's just werewolf full time. Yeah, that was pretty cool. It was a nice little workaround. Man Thing returns and Morbius is yelling at the virus and its personification and says that just as it has this relentless you know, hunger, they have this relentless urge to live. And he's talking about that it's the first time that the virus is ever afraid. And if you know Man Thing lore, there's a famous quote whosoever knows fear shall burn at the touch of the man thing man thing then grabs the zombie lifts it into the air and sets it on fire and that's the frame i sent you and it's fucking perfect (laughs) it looks awesome too the ending feels a little bit rushed but honestly i i would pay full price full cover price for all four of these issues for that one panel it is so good (laughs) they put the virus into zombie the simon garth character because he can take it and he suggests to them that he has killed deadpool's head what you then find out is that deadpool's head is on a boat floating off into the sunset singing to himself like wilson yeah the end question mark (laughs) exactly and that is marvel zombies 4 jesus it's fun right yeah van lente just takes it to a complete level where that's like my sweet spot in comics yeah it's you know like like i said Characters like Web Slingers, for example, where you have like Hornet, Prodigy, uh, Ricochet, like those are throwaway identities for Spider-Man. Like I love weird shit like that. Like I love your new warriors. I love the Alpha Flights. So for this, it's just like, oh, you want to take all of my favorite horror characters and just slap them together? Yeah. And it sparks like new interest for me to like look up more of these characters. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Shall I get into Returns? Uh Uh-huh. So this sets forth Basically, I'm just going to run through this. It's not very substantively interesting. We'll talk about like the high points, but basically this sets forth the time paradox that the century is sent back in time or through a different dimension by Uatu, who's the watcher from another dimension they infiltrate. Right. The big so, head dude. Exactly. So it creates, uh, what is it called? Like a Morbius coil where it, it is looping back on itself. Right. Because in that dimension, because that century infects all of them and then it goes to the end, when Hank Pym goes into their dimension, you create a loop where that version of the century who lives through all of these events gets sent into the other dimension. So it's like a figure eight almost. It's a closed circle. Exactly. Right. So it, it's so the, it can't spread out past the circle. I'm my own grandpa. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it's set forth in the zombie universe. This is where you get Spidey trying to use his organic web shooters and shooting out his fucking veins. Yes, that is awesome. Oh, it's so dark. The artwork dark. is so cool. I love it. And that was actually, I think that's uh, Nick Dragota, if I'm not mistaken. And please, if I'm wrong, tell me I am online because I definitely deserve it. So this takes <laughs> place right around Amazing Spider-Man 68, which takes place January 69. And what they're trying to do is find this tablet the, the Kingpin was trying to take. Kingpin actually, funny enough, was not a Marvel Comics character. Kingpin was from the animated series. So there you go. It ends up becoming this iconic character. And actually, he wasn't even a comic book character, which happens to characters like Harley Quinn. Like, yeah, X-23. I was going to say Harley Quinn. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool. So basically, the Sinister Six attacks and Spidey can smell the herbs in Craven's yeah. blood and rips his fucking throat out. Yes. And all the other Sinister Six are like, what the fuck? Yeah, this is what I sent you. I was like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. He then rips Mysterio's brain out. Yeah. And Dr. Octopus is like, ha ha, those <laughs> pussies are the weakest of the six. And then he gets fried on a stick with Electro's power. And Spidey's so good in this. 
The uh, art is so interesting and dynamic. Like, yes, you could. And the great thing about the storytelling with this, and we've talked about it so many times, just like with Jaws, you could take every dialogue bubble out and you totally get what's going on. Yes. You can tell he's a fish out of water. You could tell they're not. You could tell he's looking at himself because you can see zombie Spider-Man looking at Peter Parker and you could see that kind of forlorn look in his face. I mean, it's so good. Like this yes. is this is high art to me. Yeah, for it sure. Shows where my standards are. <laughs> So basically, he kills everybody except Flynn Marco, who escapes, and he thinks that the real Spidey is a zombie and fills his mouth and guts, and they explode, killing him. Yeah, that that's was insane. So dark. Very dark. When I saw this, I was like, "Oh my god, that's crazy!" Yeah. Then it cuts the zombie six and Gwen eating people. So Spider Man kills all of them. Mm-hmm. So not only has this iteration of Spider Man killed Mary Jane and Aunt May. But he's also killed Gwen Stacy. Yes. So this is a this is your just pitiful character who's just <laughs> lamenting everything. And then this is where Hank Pym lands on the blue area of the moon and eats the Watcher, and then intending to get the key for Uwatu's interdimensional transport system. Okay. Shall I go into issue two? Yes. Written by David Wellington, drawn by Andrea Moody. Wellington is a college friend of Fran Lente, and he wrote the vampire novel starring. Laura Caxton. He also wrote the Zombie Apocalypse trilogy, Monster Island, Monster Nation, Monster Planet, which led to his zombie Marvel assignment. Hmm. I didn't know any of those. Basically, Pym arrives in the Demon in a Bottle era of Iron Man, which is where Iron Man's confronting his alcoholism. This is an awesome story because this gives Rhodey the Iron Man suit. Pepper Potts ends up turning into a zombie. Tony goes to his gun safe and gets out a very fancy bottle of alcohol. He starts to drink it, and he throws up into Pepper's mouth. <laughs> what he's actually throwing up is nanobots that were designed to cure cancer that are distilled in alcohol. By throwing them up into her body, they then devour the zombie virus and kill her from inside. So the virus is infected and dies. Wow. Very clever, I thought. And then Tony allows himself to be eaten by the zombies because he's already ingested the bots. Rhodey is Iron Man. Pym gets the key and escapes. Okay. Yeah. The next one is written by Jonathan Mayberry. Mayberry was the author of Punisher Max Naked Kill, which is pretty dark. He's done Black Panther. And then his first novel, Ghost Road Blues, won the Bram Stoker Award. Hmm. And he also wrote a zombie action thriller, Patient Zero, which is how he ended up on this. Yes. I actually read that book. So in this, Kitty Pride meets up with Logan, who's already a zombie. She phases through him and, and Spidey saves her. They want a serum to stop the hunger and Spidey needs blood from the uninfected Wolverine. And so you go through this whole thing where it's Wolverine hand fighting the hand. He's fighting the Electra. He recreates the, her famous death at the hands of Bullseye by stabbing her through the stomach. Spidey shows Kitty how to kill zombies by destroying a specific part of their brain. So she phases through, pops them in and then disappears. And then Wolverine kills a bunch of zombies as Spidey tries to make the treatment. Now, the fun ending in this is that Wolverine says that he's worked up an appetite. And if you look at the bruising on his arm, it's forming the green face of a zombie. So he's been infected through this, even though he has the healing power. And one thing that Van Lente talked about 
is, quote, the virus has distilled him down to being who exists to kill. And yet there's just a flicker of ego there that makes him want to be, you know, the best there is at what he does. And <laughs> he said, quote, I'm a martial artist myself. So I've always liked stories where karate or kung fu is matched up against the living dead. Resident Evil, for example. And then he said, unfortunately, the zombie in question is Wolverine. So that might not work out as well as it would otherwise. <laughs> yes, because they always underplay Wolverine in all the movies. Yeah, he, he's, that's one of the things that's frustrating. When you go back to his ninja training, he's actually a very competent hand-to-hand fighter. But the problem is he's also a pincushion. Yes, it's easy to show that he can take so much damage and people like that. But yet you have to take into fact like he's been able to beat like people that are the best in the world at martial arts, like Iron Fist and stuff. Exactly. And if you look at Hugh Jackman's kind of frustrating because he's so physically imposing. Yes. But it's it's Rocky Balboa. But he's not delicate or yeah, good at martial arts. It seems like he's just like a grunt man in in the movies. Yeah. I think that if you have him smaller in statue, he's even easier to root for. Yes. Like Rocky. That's why I like him for Rocky. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like Rocky gets the fucking shit beat out of him and he tires out the Russian. Right. He has no business beating the Russian. Right. He's just Homer Simpson getting hit until the Russian can't hit no more. Right. He's not even technically better. Exactly. And I think that's one of the things where Wolverine and his weaker iteration suffers. But when written well, it's very effective. Yes. Moving on. Issue four written by Seth Graham Smith, drawn by Richard Elson. Seth Graham Smith. This was his comic book debut. You might remember that name as he is the guy who did Pride and Prejudice with Zombies and later Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Oh, terrible. That's not good. Both of them. He says, quote, it's like that line from Ghostbusters. When someone asks if you're a god, you say yes. Well, Bill Roseman asks you to write a comic for Marvel. You say yes. <laughs> well, That's very true. If anyone asked me, I'd be like, yeah, uh-huh. uh-huh. My dyslexic ass will definitely write a comic book for you. Spider-Man <laughs> swings fast. Yes. Hulk hits hard. <laughs> the end. Yeah. But no, the artwork but- would be awesome. <laughs> draw better <laughs> fuck boy so he, this is one thing that he talked about we kind of touched on this earlier he had to keep reminding himself that in comics there is no budget yes you can do whatever you want however you want and that's just the way it's gonna be yeah it's beautiful to see somebody get that opportunity because he really kind of scales it up you this is where you get the hulk with planet hulk world war hulk all in one shot. Oh, that's awesome. And he fights a century. You get the zombieism. It's awesome. The Inhumans palace is where all the zombies go. And there's Hank Pym there. Hulk turns into a zombie and goes to Earth. Then they send the century after him. The century then turns. It goes back to Van Lente, drawn by Willington Alves. And this is, quote, 22 pages of cross-dimensional mayhem. <laughs> it starts off, stilt man is dead. Cannot believe it. <laughs> You'd think he'd be safe up there, but I guess not. <laughs> so they defeat the zombie wasp and the Kree. And they defeat Luke Cage and the Shi'ar. They defeat Black Panther and the Skrull during Secret Invasion. So Pym plugged heads into the computer to try and figure out Uwatu's train. You can see who they are vaguely based on, you know, like the smartest minds in the universe. Right. It's a fun idea, but kind of weird. So they detect food in the Savage Land. You then find out that Rhodey has been alive in the Iron Man suit this whole time. He's the only living human on Earth. Hmm. It's the zombies fighting the zombies at this point. So he rips off his own finger and leaves it there as bait. So then the zombies fight. It's 
pretty fucking dope. This is where Spidey uses his webs to rip Quicksilver's head off as his body continues to run away. <laughs> he then has this device that he has strapped to his back that they kind of pass around, right? A weird one. There's a continuity error where James Rhodes says that he can't use heat-seeking missiles on them because they're, quote, our kind. But he just said that he wasn't a zombie, but whatever. The point is, Wolverine stabs a sentry in revenge for he and Quasar holding Kitty Pride underwater, and that's how they kill her. They drown her because she's been phasing through all the zombies as they've tried to bite her. So as she's drowning, she turns back to a solid form. They pull her out of the water and eat her alive. Okay. Yeah. Super she, dark. She can't phase through them holding and through water? No, because there has to be air. She's being held under the water. We're talking about like... Because what Quasar is doing is effectively like Green Lantern hard light powers under it. Okay. So she's, you know, dozens of feet underwater. Gotcha. Yeah. It's bad. So the canister that they find that's on Spidey's back is an inoculated form of Sandman that with it's super dark. It's been inoculated with, with Wolverine's healing powers and Tony Stark's nanites, and it just starts eating all the zombies. The only zombie being left is the sentry who Hank Pym tried to use as a battery to power the interdimensional transport. So right. all of the other ones are dead and he's trapped. So Uatu sends him back to the dimension 2149 and thus you've reset the cycle. Gotcha. And this is because Sandman basically face fucks everyone yep. to make him eat the sand. Exactly. Gotcha. So he's basically impervious to it. Right. What do you think? This one is I think I did a fair job of explaining it, but in reading it, it's very linear. Like it sounds like a kind of heady concept, but it's actually super precise. Yeah. No, I mean, I followed the whole thing. It's just, it's a, it's a weird one. <laughs> yeah. But what are the better ones to be honest yeah. with you? Like, I think the art's good. I love the fact that it was an anthology. That's right. super fun to me. And then you get zombies, evil evolution from 2009. I'm going to tell you right now, I fucking hate this. <laughs> It's Marvel Zombies meets Marvel Apes. I never liked Marvel Apes. I took thorough notes thinking maybe I'd go through it. I just hate it. I don't even know what Marvel Apes is, so don't, uh, yeah, I don't care. The fact that Marvel <laughs> Apes music pissed me off. And I'm a fan of Hit Monkey, but obviously a monkey's not an ape, but you get my point. It's very weird. There's a good joke in it where Iron Man says that vegetarians are the best, that they're a little stringy, but they taste so clean. So I thought that was funny. But basically... There's just not good substance here. They have the quote Prime Eight, which is a nod to the Marvel Illuminati. They could have called it the Illumin Ape E, I guess. I don't know. Uh, there's a good callback to Captain Rectitude, who was a She Hulk character in the 90s. That's kind of a weird one. Huh. It's just they we only provide good content so move along <laughs> oh, yeah one quick thing i mean the time machine thing sucks everything sucks but they completely leave out the fact that their ape captain america is a fucking vampire so i don't know what the fuck's happening here it's just a complete waste it's not good <laughs> i think it's irredeemably bad if i'm honest carl kessel i'm sorry if you ever read this i just i couldn't get into it the scene where Cap is fighting Cap is kind of interesting, but other than that, it's completely negligible. But you know what isn't? Marvel Zombies 5 from 2010. Boom. Right back to Fred Van Lente. Quote, one of the fun things that go around for Marvel Zombies is that there's a zombie element in every issue, obviously, <laughs> but zombies aren't necessarily the antagonists of every issue. He references H.G. Wells' Martians, and he talks about 
the like techno virus that he creates. It's awesome. And he says, in the case of, say, your more, quote, evil, dead, magically animated zombies, that's part of the horror genre that's always dealing with repression and the return of the repressed. And I love it. We'll get into it. Each one is a different theme. Again, kind of more like an anthology. This is this would make a great series. Okay. If money was no object and I could make whatever I want out of all of these things, this is the one I would make. This right. is more of a quantum leap with zombies. <laughs> So Van Lente, he does the first one is Earth 483, which is the Wild West. You get Kid Colt, is, his corpse is on display, and it comes to life as a zombie and eats an aspiring arms dealer who is Tony Stark, creating the zombie plague. Now, Jakali's dad is this gun shooter who's imbued with power, and it only works if he's in a life or death situation. He dies. She inherits the power. She is then saved by Machine Man and Howard the Duck. They ask her to join, and she has no other real choice because everybody she knows is dead. That's the first issue. Huh. I think it's probably the weaker one of the series, but it sets But you got Howard of the Duck. <laughs> and Machine Man, right? It's very like Shanghai Noon kind of feeling. Okay. But they very clearly set up that the next place they're going is to 211, the Boyle-verse, which of course refers to the zombies from 28 Days Later. Aha! You thought you could sneak by me, fuck a hole. (laughs) They then go to Dimension 691, which has a War of the Worlds theme, and you get the aliens. Basically, I don't know if you remember in War of the Worlds, they get beaten by the common cold. Well, the hunger virus is obviously more lethal than the cold. The machine man assimilates with one of the War of the Worlds walkers, and there's a really dark scene where a bunch of breeding women's babies erupt as zombies and quick draw has to shoot them. But then machine man saves Howard the duck and quick draw and they go to the next one. Earth five, five, five. Wow. Yeah. It gets dark fast. Now the earth five, 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 you have the black knight on a quest for the Holy grail. The zombies are coming and then the demon heads grow from the stumps of the beheaded peasants it's a dark hold <laughs> zombie. They're called the possessed 834 Raimi zombies. Then the next place they go to is 8410, which is a cyberpunk area. And these are called energetically autonomous tactical robots or eaters. You might <laughs> recall a news article from 2009 where Fox News reported on a robot that was meant to eat corpses as fuel. They were called energetically autonomous tactical robots. <laughs> So that is your topical reference, which at the time actually was good. This series, this is one of the more interesting ones. It's techno-organic virus, which kind of is what they did in Deceased to get their zombies. But I'm not going to call them ripoffs because that's more of a ripoff of Stephen King's cellular than anything. But uh, the one good takeaway is Arno Stark, the Iron Man from 2020, is eaten by his own armor and then attacks Machine Man. Weird. All right. Yeah. Then we go to number five, where they break the fourth wall with a kid buying an issue of the same comic, saying that Robert Kirkman and Sean Phillips's comics were better. <laughs> Pretty dark. <laughs> he then buys a copy of Marvel Team Up with Machine Man and Howard the Duck that he blows dust off of. The dust turns him into an infected ghoul 928, which is a reference to Peter Jackson. That's what they call him, Ed Jackson, huh. which goes to your dead alive which we will do on this show. I promise you, if it's the last thing I do, you can never take my love of Peter Jackson. You can pry it from my cold, dead hands. Still never seen it? It's so good. It's so dark and just gross and awesome. (laughs) Basically, 
there's a good scene where they say die nerd and they torch him with uh, the ends of the covers of their comics. There's no real resolution to the comic, but Morbius gets caught sending them to the quarantine areas so he can make a vaccine. Basically, that kind of implies that it could keep going, but it, that particular line doesn't pick up. Okay. Next is Marvel Zombies Supreme. Do you know about the Squadron Supreme or Squadron Sinister? It's okay if you don't. It's a kind of obscure Marvel I don't thing. think I do. Basically, Marvel wanted to say the Justice League can suck two dicks, and so they made the Justice it's League. It's not very effective, actually. Uh, I could imagine. If you're into rubbing your dick on another dick, though, I imagine it's effective. So I guess it's the dick ease. No, I mean, it depends on how big of a person you are, you know? I guess that makes sense. There's not a lot of room to go, you know, deep or anything. I don't know. I've had that problem my whole life. You know what I mean? <laughs> you don't even get past my thick ass foreskin with that mouth. <laughs> Am I circumcised? I don't even remember. I've I've made so many inappropriate jokes. I don't know what continuity, what what <laughs> dimension I'm in this time. I just keep getting clipped and it just keeps growing back. Oh God. <laughs> I think it was Mark Millar and Brian Michael Bendis talking about because Superman was Jew, uh, created by two Jewish writers <laughs> that he was going to have a bris and that his foreskin would be irradiated like kryptonite and they would call <laughs> it the fantastic foreskin. <laughs> They're clearly more clever than I am. I love those sons of bitches. Yeah. So this is Squadron Supreme. Blue Eagle was a parody of Hawkman. The shape, not to be confused with Michael Myers, all of our horror fans, that is supposed to be Plastic Man. Power Princess is Wonder Woman. Nighthawk is Batman. Hyperion is Superman. Golden Archer is the Green Arrow. Lady Lark is Black Canary. Wizard is the Flash. And the Amphibian is Aquaman. Okay. So I know a couple of those. Simple facts. It's a team from the initiative goes into the subterranean bunker that's all about alternative forms of energy. There you have Battlestar, who's a very, very interesting side character from Captain America issue 323 from 1986. He served as the fifth iteration of Bucky Barnes. Here's the problem. Writer Dwayne McDuffie informed the creator, Mark Gruenwald, that Buck is a derogatory word for African-Americans, and basically this character was derisive and dismissed as a joke from the very beginning by calling a black man Bucky. Is that true? That's what I re I've read it, and I read multiple articles on it, and basically Gruenwald just completely owned up to it and was like, I had no idea it was offensive. I look like an idiot. I didn't have any black friends, and it wasn't like he didn't ever go like, oh, I'm like a victim for having said this. He's like, I'm an idiot, huh. I, which I really appreciated his earnesty from the 80s just to be like, there is no excuse. This is complete ignorance. I'm sorry. It's 2019. I've never heard Buck as. That's the thing. As we get further and further into the rear view, like think about stuff like eeny, meeny, miny, mo, things that people say with completely innocent intentions that have a horrible backstory. Okay. There you go. But Battlestar is a pretty dope character. And in this, he has a pretty cool costume and he has an adamantium shield. Not vibranium, but still pretty cool. Yeah. And it's in the original kind of pen, er, pentagonal shape. So, okay. Like the one on my tattoo. So they enter this facility. I won't belabor it too much. They recreate the origin of Superman in the second one. Okay. Because With Hyperion? Happens, huh? Was that? With Hyperion? Yes. Okay. What did I say? No, no. You just said they recreate it and I was just wondering. Oh, duh. Sorry. So Hyperion, because they have Argonite, which is their version of kryptonite, he then burrows through the earth, erupting out of lava in another area, and crash lands, and it's like mom, pa, can't go up to him, and he eats them alive. It's pretty dark. <laughs> he then goes 
to uh, a high school and eats every member of a football team. And as the kid who scores the touchdown looks behind, he sees all of his teammates dead and Hyperion <laughs> runs at him and rips his fucking head off. Oh, that's great. It's good. Then he gets approached by a superhero team called the Harvesters, wherein Meadowlark is put in a headlock and his head is eaten. Sunflower gets his He's like a man thing that's made of a sunflower. (laughs) He gets his face burned with laser eyes. Topeka is ripped apart. Grain Belt, who basically is like Flint Marco, but with grain, gets blown away. And then there's this woman, the pioneer, who's the last woman standing. She summons cow corpses because Hyperion eats an entire big rig full of cows. And they trample him before he dies of mad cow disease. What? It's super weird okay then the top half of the blue eagle after being ripped apart in its earlier battle and the power princess rush to try and attack everybody in the bunker and they find out that part of the mysterious force that made the squadron supreme zombies was jack of hearts okay a weird character who you get the entire retelling of the origin issue three now this version of squadron supreme i kind of just breezed over it squadron supreme was created they came from an alternate dimension they come to earth and eventually they go back and some versions are evil, some versions are not. That's beside the point. In this version, they come to Earth. They're cooperative, collaborative. They're trying to create new forms of energy. Before going back to their dimension, they give this doctor samples of their DNA. He then grafts that onto corpses, very universal soldier style. He then uses Zeta rays and Jack of Hearts' power to reanimate them like Frankenstein. And then you get flesh-eating Squadron Supreme. <laughs> Okay. It's a weird origin, but it's kind of like it's like Jason lives. It's like it's weird, but it makes sense at the same time. And I like it. Is this the jumping of the shark, though? <sighs> no, not to me. No, not when you have, you know, Marvel zombies with uh, Silver Surfer getting his head bit off. OK. Yeah. I mean, the whole cow thing was just what? That's my least favorite death. Okay. I'll tell you that plainly. Golden Archer actually rips his own teeth out and shoots them on an arrow <laughs> to infect this guy named Haas. Haas and him then get into a fight where he keeps getting shot with arrows and he keeps shooting gold, uh, golden arrow and he blows his head off at close range. That's pretty cool. Hmm. Battlestar is attacked by the Blue Eagle and he rips off his wings. They kill Amphibian with a laser, which is pretty cool. One thing I really enjoyed is Battlestar quoting John McClane, come out to the coast, have a few laughs. laughs. Uh, Jack of Hearts, you get the whole full origin story. He's such a weird character. Like, like him or hate him we don't have the time to go and do it i don't think google searching it i mean he's a conflicted character you find out his girlfriend and mom are contraxian aliens blah blah (laughs) he blew himself up with a drug dealer at one point and then they just like re-harnessed his whole entity basically he's reanimated and the soldier is like oh you're i'm saved you and then she gets eaten by the shape (laughs) next issue they track down the shape's body and you find out that he has a bunch of people living inside of him because he just swallowed them whole as a zombie. Okay. And he's been going through like the air duct system, which is crazy. And Power Princess and the Wizard don't want to succumb to the hunger, but Nighthawk and Lady Lark go with it. Clearly, this is a parody of Justice League because there's no way Batman's cool with it. Right. Even in Deceased, he's not cool with it, which we'll hopefully have time to touch on later. Basically, they fight off the zombies. Jack uses his power flow to make the zombies explode. Harper gets bitten by a zombie, the girl who saved him, but then Jack uses his power 
it puts all of his power into her and it like rejuvenates her. Oh yeah. All the zombies die and then she's kind of reborn and then you find out the doctor who made them escaped. <laughs> okay. The ending, no good. Everything else, real good. Same writer, Mara Fino, does Marvel Zombies destroy in 2011. Basically, it's World War II with zombies. Zombie Nazis, to be specific. All right. Right. I mean, Played that you, all the time. You're sold. Now, here's the great thing. Already, you've seen characters who've been relegated to the Z list. Right. Proclaimed by the Red Hood himself. Yes. This is not even characters who are on the Z list. This is characters who your grandfather... Your, grandfather? This is, <laughs> this is characters who your grandfather has completely forgotten by now. Okay. I'm going to go through. You had Blazing Skull, who first debuted in Mystic Comics 5 in 1941. <laughs> Red Raven from Red Raven Comics, August 1940. The Eternal Brain from Red Raven, Issue 1, who's actually, you find out later, one of Jack Kirby's Eternals. Flexo from Mystic Comics 1 in 1940. Breeze Barton from Daring Mystery Comics number 3 in 1940. Dynaman from Daring Mystery Comics number 6 in 1940. Then you round out the team with other characters who were created for this Taxi Taylor, Gurr, and Dragoon. None of those I've heard of. <laughs> exactly. And that's the point. Okay. I mean, Blazing Skull I'd heard of because they did a new Invaders series and I actually really liked him in that. But I love the idea of taking Golden Age characters and redoing it. I was a little disappointed in an article I read. Marafino said that it's actually their descendants, but I like the idea that it would be them specifically. Because they're throwaway. Like, who cares how they die? Like, they haven't been touched in 40 years. Right. But whatever. He was insistent on having Battlestar come back to be a part of the action as a contrast to Howard and Dum Dum Dugan. Basically, this series sets up Dum Dum is in his room having a nightmare. Howard the Duck hears him screaming, comes in to save him, gets his ass kicked by Dugan in his sleep. <laughs> he then talks Dugan into going with him on a zombie fighting mission. You find out. The whole reason that he even brought Dugan is because one of the leaders of the new zombies is zombie dum dum Dugan, <laughs> and they want to use him to infiltrate this area. Okay. In issue two, the original Human Torch is programmed to be a zombie. All of the invaders are led by Bucky, and Dynaman splits the wizard in twain and kills Union Jack. Taxi kills Spitfire. The Golden Girl turns the Raven. Uh, Namor throws Dynaman into a zombified sea monster, and then you see the clang as Captain America's shield just wrecks ass. Oh, yeah. It's not Cap. Oh. It's the suffragists. Huh? Miss America, who got her shield from Captain after he died. Liberta, Columbia, and the Riveter. Hmm. Actually, I like this team. Like I could read a comic of them. Okay. They're a little generic, but I, I thought that they were fun. Like, Liberta is dressed like the you know, Statue of Liberty, and she has the torch that shoots fire and stuff, and the Riveter is obviously like Rosie the Rosie Riveter. Rosie the Riveter, okay. That's, but yeah. This uh, is like my getting my wife into comics sort of a thing. Exactly. <laughs> Liberta is very Wonder Woman, and then Miss America is just, you know, a female version of... She's like what Peggy Carter, Captain America, would be like. You find out that the zombies in this universe... It's basically the Nazis are trying to find Asgard through the Alps. They find a Tibetan monk who's evil, who gives them a death spore flower that then turns Hitler into a zombie. Huh. That's how they have the Thousand Year Reich, because they're zombies. And Dugan finds his doppelganger. Then you end up to issue three. Here's the problem. Marafino gets ill with an infection. Turns out not zombieism, but I still have my suspicions. He has to pass over the reins to Peter David. Peter David is responsible for some 
amazing comics. He's also responsible for their adaptation of Taming the Shrew, like My Fair Lady, whatever. So he has some misses. He doesn't fail this one, but it definitely doesn't feel as good throughout. This okay. issue, there's a different artist before it goes back to the artist for one and two. Eh, basically, they were very complimentary of one another. Marafino said of David, he really opened up the series and created an outstanding conclusion. Also, with his knowledge and experience, he was able to include perspective and insights that I don't possess. So the book was much better having him on it. Like the Ducky Dozen, we are stronger as a sum of our parts. We celebrate the ideas of others that lead us to unbelievable innovation, and we pick out the others as we fall. The Ducky Dozen is what they end up calling all those Golden Age heroes, which is funny. It's a parody of the Dirty Dozen. I like it. It's silly, but it, you know, I like the rev- simultaneous reverence and irreverence of the past. Right. Basically, they find this character whose name is Zog, who's a Nazi scientist. It's your Operation Paperclip from hell. <laughs> and then he gets eaten by a Valkyrie who rips his eyes out first. It's awesome. Columbia gets bitten trying to save everybody. So she just there. The train that they're on is going into a tunnel and she just goes splat on the tunnel wall. <laughs> she just stands up into it and lets herself die because she d- refuses to be a zombie. Like a Roadrunner cartoon? Very much. <laughs> Wiley e. Coyote, yeah. So they're sitting there and they're like, fuck, 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 fuck. What are we going to do? Fuck, 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 fuck. And Loki's like, well, they're after me this whole time. And they're like, wait, what the fuck? Where did you come from? <laughs> Earlier in the series, you found an empty chest in one of the compartments. Turns out that's Loki's house. So the next issue... The zombie Thor and all of their evil Volstag and Zavolius 3 and Lady Sif, they trash the train looking for him that we know Loki is here. In this issue, you find out Loki is actually the one who gave the Death Spore flower, who started the whole thing as a means of luring Thor from Asgard to fight him. What actually ends up happening is Odin comes. Odin gets bitten. And because Odin ha- is imbued with the power of the Allfather that goes to all Asgardians, Every Asgardian, as soon as Odin is bitten, becomes a zombie. (laughs) Because Loki is a frost giant by nature, he is not. Wow. Pretty dark, pretty fun. One thing that was a really interesting joke, Dum Dum Dugan says, it's called free will for a reason. You get what you pay for. I was like, what the fuck? That's such a dark (laughs) thing to say. I get that you're being cynical, but fuck, come on. (laughs) You find out they were actually hiding in the trunk. So that's how they lived when the train gets derailed. Okay. Now, Dragoon gets bitten and Battlestar kills her with a shield and says, eat this. And Howard the Duck says, witticism killing one of our own guys? Really? And he and Battlestar have this like, te- like back and forth where he confronts the fact that he's like, ashamed that he used one of the like oldest tropes in comics of like talking shit as he killed someone. <laughs> it's very interesting that there's like this. It's in, you know, in apropos. Okay. Cool. <laughs> And then they find out that Thor's flying goats, Transgisnir and Tangnjoster, are actually the way that they plan to teleport between dimensions. Hmm. They actually have flying goats in the, this comic? Yes. Wow. That's how Thor originally flew. When he throws his hammer... Mjolnir? That, that, Mjolnir. That's the joke in Ragnarok. I would throw my hammer and it would pull me off. Oh, it pulled you off. Yeah. <laughs> so technically Thor doesn't fly. Right. Ultimate Thor does. Ultimate Thor, I think, is way better. But obviously, he's not as antiquated. Right. But yeah, there are iterations. Jason Aaron does a really good job of making the unworthy Thor because he can't use the powers of Mjolnir. He has to use the goats to get around. Okay. Which is awesome. And he also does Thor as the Allfather, which is even cooler. 
we're talking eons and eons and eons in the future. Thor has the one eye like Odin, but he's also lost an arm in battle. And instead of a prosthetic arm, he uses the arm of the destroyer. Oh, that's pretty cool. It's so dope. I really love the God Bomb. There's a lot of like one-armed people with like the metal arm, like Cable. Then you have this even, Thor. Yeah, then even you, in our continuity, Thor has the golden arm. Yeah. Right. And then you have Winter Soldier. I mean, it's kind of weird, but okay. It's a compelling look. Yeah. You got that one mouse from the biker. for that massive jack-off arm. Yeah. You remember the the mouse from the biker mice from Mars that had the robot arm? Yes. But uh, there's going to be somebody who's like, biker mice from Mars. I didn't remember that. It's just, oh my God. <laughs> and they're going to Google it and be like, it's not streaming anywhere. Fuck that show. Yeah, because we've already tried. <laughs> Bitch, I would do an entire podcast uh, dedicated to that show. Issue five. Loki escapes. Flexo, Blazing Skull, and Liberty are eaten by the goats. That makes me sad because I really love Blazing Skull. <laughs> Miss America kills Bucket on the, quote, Ragna Rocket, which is the new name for the A-bomb. Fat Man <laughs> is the plan. The whole thing, you find out Loki has used them to get to the atomic bomb. They end up blowing up all of the zombies. And Howard the Duck makes a joke at the expense of Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull where they jump into a refrigerator saying nothing can survive an atomic <laughs> bomb like this, thus blasting oh. back into our dimension. You find out that in the fridge is the corpse of Captain America, <laughs> who the zombie red skull has been feasting on. And they say, well, at least there's no more zombies as Cap's corpse opens its eyes. <laughs> the end question mark. So like, it's good. I like the Odin stuff. The, I objective like the bullet points are good, but in its delivery, it's not as good as it could have been. Right. A little convoluted, but overall, it's one of the stronger installments. I think that it could have been the best by far. Okay. I mean, it's interesting that they're in uh, whatever you call where Thor lives. Asgard. Asgard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just placing it there was new and fresh. So that, that would be interesting to me. Plus, you have like Thor freaking chasing people around as a zombie, which is insane. Yeah. Without like, a nose. A God zombie. Yeah. So. And Peter David acknowledged, like, when they pitched it to him, they're like, hey, do you want to step in on this in short notice? And he's like, well, what is it? And they said, it's World War II Nazi zombies. And he's like, sold. Yeah. <laughs> and he just takes it over. And I think it is it is good. It's just not great. It had, right. it starts off being great. But that's fine. Howard, his like, the art for him starts to kind of go downhill and become a little bit more goofy. Howard works when he's not the butt of the joke that way. Right. When he's a normal character who happens to be an anthropomorphic duck. Right. But I digest. We move on. Marvel Zombies Halloween 2012. I'm not going to butcher this one. It's basically very akin to like The Walking Dead. It's a very human story where a little boy and his mom are in the zombie apocalypse and he wants to go trick-or-treating. And it's how she... <laughs> I actually, honestly, in terms of like the juice is worth the squeeze, it's a one-shot, so it's the least amount of effort, and I really like it. But if you're going for actual comic book Oh, no, not characters, at all. Yeah, this yeah. is a nice story. Right, yeah. exactly. This is like a YouTube video that you'd watch or a digital right. short. Yeah. So he, Van Lenti said, in many ways, I'm writing this for my wife, who has a scary love of holiday specials. She forces me to watch them with her, especially during Halloween, Christmas, and Easter. It doesn't matter if it's animated, live action, or stop motion. We watch them all. So this is kind of for her. It's a fun little gory one-shot horror story. Okay. Super fun. I highly recommend it. I don't want to get into spoiling it because this is one I think that is pleasant. And also the narrative doesn't really lend itself to the rest of Marvel continuity. So it's not like I have much trivia to draw on. Right. Next Marvel Zombies 2015 by Simon Spurrier and Kev Walker. <laughs> Basically, Elsa Bloodstone is there. 
with Brandon Sharp, who's, uh, I think he's Stryker from the Avengers Academy, who dies. She finds a kid with no memories and kills the juggernaut with this necklace that has part of her father, the bloodstone power. She keeps getting pursued by this cryptic figure you find out actually is her dad's zombified corpse that has all the bloodstones in it. They kill a bunch of zombies. This is the one where you get to see Mystique eating the brain of Deadpool like in perpetuity. Oh, okay. And then you find out that her dad using the bloodstone power becomes human again and she then gets the power of the bloodstone and that's basically the end. Not a fan. Yeah. Did not like it really at all. I've tried to like the Bloodstone character. She's always just fine to me. <laughs> I don't know. Like, especially with Next Wave Agents of Hate, she's juxtaposed with like Machine Man and Mark, Monica Rebeau, the uh, Captain Marvel, who I think becomes like Photogenesis or some stupid name after she loses that title. And those characters are way more compelling. She's just like Lady Van Helsing. Okay. So whatever, it's fine. It's just not good. And this is not me being like heteronormative cisgender male who's like, oh, girl comics. <laughs> no, I just don't like her. I, I, there's actually many female comic led stories that I really enjoy. So sorry about yeah, it. Not name sorry. One. I'm just kidding. Uh, er, uh, <laughs> what's that one with the with huh? the boobs and the <laughs> witch blade? I like witch blade where she's wearing uh. like nothing. <laughs> Then you got Age of Ultron versus Zombies. Basically, the Hank Pym, blah, blah, blah. It takes place during Battle World. The zombies fight the Ultron robots. The Ultron robots fuse with the zombies. They then put in a kill code that clears the zombies out. It's not that great. Zombie Christmas Carol, not that great. Zombies Assemble. This is the first manga I've ever read in my life. Hmm. Wow. It takes place basically constructed around the MCU continuity. And it's Tony Stark's birthday. And a zombie appears and they all fight the zombie. This zombie is different because it's not an actual teeth zombie where they have to bite. It's a touch zombie. So just by coming into physical contact with it, that's how it's transmitted. Huh. You find out the zombie disease is not zombies. It's the dead skin of a Chitari where a woman bought on the black market one of their weapons and studied it. Her younger brother makes this thing. He turns into like some mega zombie. They fight. They all win. It's weird. I don't like reading from right to left. It doesn't yeah. make me happy. It's an interesting like take on it, I guess. Yeah, some of the art's interesting. I mean, to me, it's all new because I've never seen anything like that. So I'm like, all right, it's cool. It's definitely hard to uh, digest with it. Yeah, they're all like <laughs> cutesy and have like weird puby facial hair. But I mean, I thought it was fine. I don't like the first one ends like on a weird cliffhanger, but it does have a good zero issue about Iron Man, which I thought was interesting. Then you had Marvel Zombie from 2018 and Night of the Living Deadpool. But I would like to touch briefly on Deceased. We're circling the drain here. Do you mind giving me that courtesy? Yeah, let's do it because I'm actually interested. If it's good, I would like to do an episode if that's something that the fans like. 100%. Yeah. So basically, I just want to set forth the template. If you're on the fence about giving Deceased a chance, I am not the big DC guy. Not out of not liking those characters. It's just very inaccessible in terms of digital media. Like their streaming app is nowhere near as good as Marvel Unlimited. Comixology, I'm not going to pay $7 a fucking issue to read action comics. Oh, damn. I love Brian. Yeah. It's, I, that's an exaggeration, but still like yeah. I love Brian Michael Bendis, but even he's not going to get me to pay those prices. I'll read his Superman for free, but I'm certainly not paying for it. Right. Well, additional to a subscription. My point is it's very independent. Okay. Their zombies are not even technically zombies. What it is, Dark Side 
gets the anti-life equation, which he's been after for since the 70s. It's a Jack Kirby creation. Now, some iterations of that equation just basically overpower the will of someone. In this, it's called the anti-life equation. Thus, it is anti-life. Thus, it is death. He uses cyborg, which is imbued with apocalyptic mechanism powers or whatever, and literally the embodiment of death, and uses that to corrupt the anti-life equation. Okay. Unwittingly, cyborg becomes an outbreak monkey when he gets sent to Earth. He automatically uploads the virus into the internet, and everybody using technology becomes a zombie. Oh, okay. I gotcha. It's great. There are some awesome pages where, I mean, I won't tell you who in Batman's family he's fighting, but it's awesome. Okay. His relationship with Damian Wayne gets awesome. <laughs> I really like the dynamic between Damian Wayne and Jonathan Kent, who's Superman's son. I think it's very well done. There's some cool stuff like Black Canary, who's not even a very interesting character, has a really fun twist that I won't ruin. But if you're on the fence about reading that one, even as a guy with a Captain America shield tattoo and a lot of Marvel comics, <laughs> I got to say, like, I think that the writing that I've seen so far has been good. The art is fun. Yeah, the covers are definitely hilarious. Oh, dude, they're gnarly. Yeah. And it's also you have a lot of people who are pointing to short one shot content being like, this is what it is. Like, bring the era of the trade paperback because that's probably how you're going to get the layman. It's referential enough to its source material. where People are excited about, like, oh, the I know who these characters are. I know what's going on. But it's accessible enough to a guy like me who hasn't busted into DC since before New 52. Yes. So if you want us to do an episode on Deceased, you be sure to let us know. If you want us to do any other comic book references, please do. We have had some great submissions for horror directors that we'll be doing biographies on coming up. We have some movies coming up. We have all sorts of stuff. We are always plotting, scheming, and planning for your horror delights. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can reach us at slasherspod at gmail.com, slasherspod on basically any form of social media. Give us a wink, nod, rate, subscribe, do everything you got to to make sure that you are being ear prodded by our sensual auditory <laughs> tones weekly. Uh, if you're a Patreon patron, you, of course, get bonus episodes, early access to content. Uh, you get you know behind the scenes featurettes and all sorts of awesome, fun stuff. Thank you to all of our Patreon patrons. Thank you to all of you who are just listening because if you are in a band, know a band, have access to a band, and you think they'd be good for the hidden track segment of the show, you be sure to let us know and we will be sure to get in contact with them and promote them free of charge because we don't get really paid to do this show except for like 10 people. So Chad, do you have anything to add? I agree with all of that. Perfect. <laughs> also, we have a new campaign going on where if you share a post about the show and tag us on any format of social media, I will personally send you one of our prior Patreon bonus episodes for free. So I guess it's not for free because you're doing us a service and endorsing our show, but that's something I can give you that has some form of value to say thank you because word of mouth, you can imagine, is the only real way we're going to grow. Yes. The way that social media works and everything now, it's pay to play for everything. And I'm certainly not inclined to give you know Instagram $30 to reach the you know, followers we already have. Yes, and we want to spread like this virus. Which one? The anti-life equation or the hunger virus? Hunger virus all the way. Okay, perfect. That's the one I like better. Well, the other one matches more with media though. Yeah, right. <laughs> Digital content. That'd be so nice. <laughs> oh, you mean all I have to do is crash land on Earth and somebody takes my picture and boom. Yep. Damn, we should have done that. That's yeah, probably well. why we're so back ass words. Yep. 
Anyway, <laughs> Jed, do you want to say goodbye to these fucks? Yes. Enjoy killing time until next week. For Chad, for Brian, for Jim Turn, for my wife, for Miss America and butthole puckering around the world, my name is Jake, reminding you to go out there and do something you love. And remember that all work and no power play makes Jack a dull boy. Let me say that the hardest part of these back-to-back Marvel Zombies episodes was hearing the sound of my own voice while editing. Oh my god, if you stuck with it and you're even here at the hidden track for two episodes... You have my respect. Also, I'm a little concerned for your well-being because nobody, not even my wife, wants to hear me talk that long. This week's hidden track is Gerardo Preciado, also known as the Ancient Order of the Droids. He's been putting out movie soundtracks for movies that don't exist for the last five years, and let me tell you, they are awesome. This one is from Zombiria, which is based on a fake film in the vein of Lucio Fulci. He previously did one based on Italian slashers called Terrori. So yeah, there's a Kickstarter campaign that is fully funded at this point, but still go out and support because he is pressing this non-existent movie soundtrack on vinyl. And while you might not be able to take sole credit for it being done, you can enjoy a copy yourself. So here is Ancient Order of the Droids with his track from Zombiria. Fitting for Marvel Zombies, right?